0: We're starting chapter 3 today, and here's what it says, all right? Here's what it says, further, almost every other version, almost every other version says finally, and that's important for what we're going to talk about first. Further, or finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. All right, finally, so Paul is, it's almost like he's wrapping it up. All right, it's almost like he's wrapping it up. And there are theological, theology people all over the world who have argued, all right, about why he says finally in the beginning of chapter three. He's got a whole chapter left, not just a paragraph, and he's going to end up writing another chapter. So there are some people who say, well, the word's not translated correctly, except almost every other place it's translated finally. There are others that say, well, he was probably just thinking about what he was going to say and then got wrapped up talking about more, all right? Or he just, this is what I think, he started to end and then he got going, you know? Then he's like, run the race, keep the faith. I got more to say, all right? But others, literally there are people out there who say, well, either this is supposed to be at the end and the rest of chapter three wasn't even supposed to be there. It's not in some of the manuscripts and so he didn't intend it. There's people who think that. There are others who think that this was the ending to a different letter. And when the people were putting the scriptures together, they moved it here. Here's, my, here, here's what I want to say. All right? There were four pages in the one commentary that I read on this word. And I got nothing spiritual out of it. Okay? So here's my teaching for right now because I'm going to show you and I'm going to back up what I think Paul's doing here, all right? But here's what I want you to say. There are a lot of people, and you should, who want to study and get deep and go deep in the Word and and really uh, do the iron sharpens iron thing and talk it out. But here's what I'm going to tell you, all right? Don't get caught up in trying to get so deep that you forget that you're a human being and need to come to the surface and breathe, all right? Sometimes the arguments are just overwhelming and unfathomable and are worthless, all right? Don't get caught up in that garbage. I think Paul loved on these people, had an afterthought and said, finally, guys, but I want you to see what he says next. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord, all right? As for it not belonging here, this is the sixth time in three chapters that Paul has used that word. Be joyful, have joy, rejoice, have joy. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy, all right? I believe that it is supposed to be in this book. I also believe that Paul is saying, finally, brothers and sisters, if I were going to wrap up, here's what I'd say. I'd say what I'd already told you in case you hadn't heard it. Rejoice, have joy, I'm telling you, church, if Paul were here now, he would look out at a lot of Christians and say, there are too many of you who are burdened. There are too many of you who are unhappy. There are too many of you who are caught up in everything that's going on around you, and you're allowing the things of this world to steal your joy, and there is nothing that is setting you apart. I'm telling you, rejoice. Listen, here's why I believe that. He says, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Here's what he's saying, I know I'm repeating myself, and I think if he were snarky, he'd say, and I'll repeat myself until you get it. I think that's what he'd say right here. But I love this last line because it doesn't fit at all, but I'm going to explain it to you the way the Holy Spirit explained it to me. Ready? And it is a safeguard for you. Well, first of all, why use the word safeguard? Okay, what is a safeguard? It's something that protects, all right? Gun owners put their guns in a safe to protect their family, all right? You, you you hide things away or you shelter things. So we know that this is talking about how to be protected. But what is protecting us? Rejoicing in the Lord, all right, when you get it does actually protect believers. Well, Craig, what does it protect us from? It protects you from you. Let me explain. I'm going to explain it by using my sermon from the last two weeks. Do you remember me talking about the cup that God would full, fully fill? The word was fulfilled, but I'm talking about God fully fills our cup, all right? Well, what he has said, do everything without what? Complaining or arguing, all right, and we went back and said, Why does God ask us not to complain or argue? Well, everyone who complains and or argues, all right, is trying to get something for themselves. They complain or they argue because things weren't the way they thought they should be. I I wish you'd turn the music down. Well, you know what that says? That says that you need the music to be softer, all right? I wish they'd sing hymns. You know what that says? That means what you wanted was hymns and not praise choruses. You know, you with me? Complaining and arguing comes from some... kind of emptiness that you need filled inside of you. So far, so good, all right? And then, when you are empty and want to complain and argue, you treat other people with disrespect. That's what happens, because you end up getting into an argument. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And when you argue, we all know that most of us argue and fight, especially in our marriages, unfairly. We bring up things, we say things that we should not say that don't have anything to do with the situation. All of this stems from what? A cup that is unfulfilled, all right? A cup that is empty, but joy that comes, what was that joy? All right, puberty? I don't know. All right, joy that comes from the Lord, ready, 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 is, and we've talked about this, never-ending. Paul is in such a place, and we're going to get to this later, that was really bouncy, in in his life where he knew something, he's gotten something, church, that we don't have. the light bulb has gone off in Paul in a way that we don't comprehend. And the whole first two chapters and the first sentence, look, this sentence is awesome and nobody's ever gonna put this like on their wall. You're never gonna see Philippians 3.1 up like John 3.16. It's not gonna happen. People don't quote this verse, but it's awesome because here's what it says. If you're happy and you know it, it doesn't say clap your hands, all right? It says if you're happy and you know it, that is your protection. From what? From the empty cup, if you are fulfilled, if your joy is made complete, God has filled your cup. And that protects you from that area that we want to fill ourselves when we get in the way. And we've already talked about it over and over again that the, the greatest enemy to your discipleship is you, your desires, all right? And Paul says, I'm safeguarding you by saying, joy. I'm safeguarding you by saying, smile. Let me, okay, let's do this. You go into Kroger, all right? You're standing in line. All right, and the person behind you is just muttering and kind of stomping their feet a little bit and standing three feet from you instead of six feet from you and doing all this, is it easy for you to walk out the door and maybe think or say things you shouldn't say about that person? It is, isn't it? You walk out like, man, did you notice that person behind me? That is a punk of a, I don't even know him, but I can tell by the way they're acting that is a punk of a person, all right? But if the person behind you, cheesing, Just cheesing, all right? Just cheesing hard and smiling and and just, you know, life is good. You never walk out of the store with anything but what? You're either going to be smiling or you're not even going to think about it. That's just the truth, all right? Joy fights away bad things. It safeguards our hearts and our minds. You and I both know that when you smile, it's what? It's contagious. Even when I started cheesing and started talking about it, half the congregation was like, ah. even Paul noise over here grinning. All right, so I know it works. I know. All right, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying if you understand all of these things I'm talking about, they're actually really simple, but they're hard to get, like to really get, and we're going to get to that later, to, to what it does for us, okay? One verse, a whole lot of stuff there. And then it's almost like we turn, all right? Here's what this says. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Here's the problem. There is not a reference anywhere to go forward to or back to to tell us who the dogs, evildoers, and mutilators of the flesh were. We know there are people who are opposite, right? We know there are people who aren't thinking what Paul's thinking. We know something has to do with enemies. What kind of enemies? Is it the government he's talking about here? Is it hypocrisy he's talking about? We actually never get told, all right? But what you are missing here, what you wouldn't know here, is the play on words that is about to happen, and it gives us some insight as to what Paul can teach us, both the Philippian church and their assembly, and us here in our church assembly. Dogs, okay? This is going to be one of a couple of things. He actually uses literally the word for for dog, for the, the canine, all right? But in their culture, there were a couple of types of dogs, all right? There were dogs that people actually had and or owned that would be called domesticated, and then there were the dogs that ran the street. Skinny, sick, hungry. Begging. Children reach out their hands. Not good, all right? Disease. And so uh, is Paul talking about that? Is he talking about the Jewish culture and the way for the most part they thought that dogs were dirty animals? I'm uncertain. I'm just giving you some context here. And then he says those evil doers. So we know that it is people who are doing evil. In this case, we would have to mean the opposite of what God wants. But it's the next phrase, all right? Those mutilators of the flesh, all right? The word here for mutilating means to to cut away or to tear away, all right? So you're cutting away or tearing away at the flesh, all right? Different flesh here than, than later, all right? It's literally the flesh, the skin, all right? I want you to look at the next word. For it is we who are the, what? Circumcision. What happens when you are circumcised? Cutting away, tearing away of the skin or of the flesh. So I think that what Paul is trying to get at here, because he says, watch out for they, all right, they, and then he goes, for it is we. Well, who is they? Those who mutilate the flesh, those who do the opposite of, those who may look safe but are unsafe. I think he's talking about the fakers. People who call themselves believers, people who call themselves the church, people who speak Jesus' name, but they're faking it. They aren't real Christians. Now, what does that mean? It means those who wear his name and don't obey his word. Church, you better marinate on that. Because it's of the utmost importance that we understand that most of us have lived there at one point or another or are living there now. Talking it and not really walking it. And you can tell. You can tell the people who are talking it and not walking it, not really walking with Jesus, because their joy goes quickly. Their bitterness rises quickly. They are not slow to anger. They are quick to anger. They are always complaining and or arguing. They do everything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Paul is hearkening back to everything. I'm just, I'm quoting verses from the last two chapters, guys, from the last three weeks. Paul is saying, I know that I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to repeat myself until you get it. There will be people who will steal your joy. Don't let them, don't let them tear away at the very fabric, the very flesh of who we are. And be please, please, please don't be fake. Don't be fake. For it is we who are the circumcision. Now, he's playing on words there, but he also means we who are the called, the set apart. We who are, and I say this, baptism is the new circumcision. We who have been, we who have been marked. You know, you get saved, and then you get baptized to say, I'm in, I'm on the team, this is my celebration. That that's it. It, it doesn't make you wetter, it doesn't make you drier, it doesn't make you more holy. It means I am a Christian, and this is how I'm showing it, okay? That's what you did. If you're Jewish, you got circumcised, all right? Now, we're not gonna cut everybody, and women we can't cut anyway. So, we had to, you know, it gotta be something else. Baptism is that something, all right? That's really what it is. There's more to it, but that's what it is. Now, he says, but we who serve God by his spirit. He's dropping another hint there. You're not serving God out of your goodness. You're not serving God because the preacher asked you to. You're not serving God because you think that's the right thing you do. You're serving God out of the overflow of God in you. You can't help it because that's what God does. God serves. If we're full of God, guess what we do? Serve, not out of a calling, because that's what God does in us, and that's He's going to start to steamroll the rest of this. And we put no confidence in the flesh. Flesh here, to play off the word for skin, all right, this is I have no confidence in who I am as a human being and my decision-making when it comes to my humanity. Since Adam and Eve took a bite of the fruit. We have inside us what is called an Adamic nature, A-D-A-M-I-C, Adamic, Adamic, nature. And that nature is the flesh, things of the flesh, things of the spirit. That nature is a natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him for he is not spiritually appraised. We, We expect people outside of our doors to live like they are inside our doors. And then we go outside the doors and live like them. Paul says, I have no confidence in that. And I'm telling you, for the next several verses, this theme just rolls, all right? He said, but if you were want to talk confidence, now Paul does this in two or three places in the New Testament. He gives his resume, different ways every time. But but, but hear this. He said, listen, people, if we wanted to talk religion, if we wanted to talk church, if we wanted to talk background, all right? I have the background of all backgrounds. That's what Paul says, all right? Paul, when it comes to spiritual life and Jewish things and being a good Baptist, you know, I mean, you've seen the movie Coming to America. Anybody? Great movie from the 80s. Don't go watch it. Preachers shouldn't recommend it, but it's awesome. And it's really funny at the beginning because what happens at the very beginning of the movie? What is it? Eddie Murphy has what? Everything. I mean, the man doesn't wipe his own bottom. He has everything. Everything. The servants brush his teeth for him, wipe his bottom for him. He has somebody who spars with him, teaches him how to fight. He gets everything handed to him. That's exactly what I need you to think about when I read through this list. When it comes to growing, he had a silver spoon in his mouth when it came to being religious. Listen, he said, if anybody has any confidence, listen to what I have. All right. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Tim here, he's awesome, but he was circumcised as a a teenager, all right? Some people wait till they get saved, and then they get circumcised, and that's painful. No, no, no. I was on the day, on the hour, just like the law said. Not only that, I am, by my very lineage, an Israelite. Not only that, but I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the question is, if God loves everybody, why that one? Because Benjamin was a favorite son, there was no question. Benjamin was a favorite son. And there was always this partiality running throughout the scriptures that there was a favorite tribe. Nobody says it, but they, you know, and he said, he throws it out there, I, I, I was Benjamin's, all right? I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. All the schools, all the money, all the authority. And then when it comes to the law, memorize back. Fourth, brought up in the best way. Can quote it all to you. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. When it comes to walking down the law, I I, I have it. You want zeal? You want to talk talent? You want to talk fervor? Let's talk about when I wasn't a believer. You set me to a task, and that task got done. Do you remember when I was called to persecute the church? I didn't do it lightly. We stoned people in pits. We made public, public Hangings, public, that's not really what they did, stonings, public killings of people, habit. When I do something, I do it at the best level. So if you want to brag about yourself, I could be the king of bragging about myself, but here's what he says. But whatever were gains, church, this is where the rubber's getting ready to meet the road. Whatever were gains. So what he's saying is, Anything that you think is good, valuable, worth it. I now count losses. So first he uses the word losses. I consider losses for the sake of Christ. What is more, listen, I consider everything. Well, now that I think about it, all of those things, those are losses. But as I think more about it while I'm writing this letter to you, everything pales in comparison for the surpassing knowing of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Next sentence. Then he uses a different word. I consider them garbage. The Greek word uh, is the word they would use for refuse. Not refuge, refuse, okay? But translated in other places, it translates as things like garbage, refuse, Table scraps, do you know what we would call it? Leftovers. But not the leftovers that you keep and can eat. The leftovers that um, you're scraping out of the corner of the pan uh, that sat there for two days and trying to get off and you know the, the, the dawn commercial wasn't true. You know what I'm saying? All right, The cascade didn't do it. All right, Break, Breaking down the food. The table scraps, which harkens back to what? Those things are what the dogs are chasing. Think about that for a minute. Those things, the things that I now consider table scraps, leftovers, garbage, what the dogs, the people who are opposite our mindset, are chasing, come on. But here's the question for you. And this is what the whole literally what the Holy Spirit taught me. I've taught this a ton of times. I've never said what I'm going to say. To you never realize these things. Who or what did Paul know? Or who or what did Paul find that was so spectacular that the life of a king, the life of a high priest, the life of a Pharisee, the life of a kid with a silver spoon in his mouth. What did he find that made him said, all that compared to this is trash? What did he find? Here's the thing. All of us know the answer to this question here. When am I? Going to get it in such a way that everything from my wife to my home to my cars to my finances, that everything I look around and go, Man, this stuff is fine, but next to God, it's trash. Interesting side note in Jerusalem, the trash is pushed out to the edge of the city where the Wild dogs roam, and the fires constantly burn. In Greek, they called this place Gehenna. Do you know what Gehenna translates to? Hell? My nephew's getting on my case because I said hell now he's like, he said it again. Ah!" It's an old Jerry Lewis movie where that happens. (laughs) Cracks me up. Listen to me. Do you see how all of this unknown, ignored, never read passage in between Christ's humility and pressing on to win the prize? Do you see how rich it really is? The table scraps that the dogs chase and the evildoers go after push to the edge for what? hell and in some way in some way our chasing of this thing that we gather to sing praise about but that we can just sit through or that we can just wait till 12 o'clock for that we can let pass by one week or show up once every six weeks or show up once every you know that that thing listen to me you and i don't know what paul knows we don't we know of it we know about it, but none of us have made it to a pure and holy place in our lives where the Christ in us is so yummy that everything else is just like, meh. Everything is just meh, but we keep on smiling. Craig, why do we want to live a meh life? Because you're not. God's living the best life through you, and he loves the meh too. You get it? He gives us a hint, and this is what I want to leave you with. Preaching for 20-something years, when we planted the church when I became a pastor and God nodded me up and said, you're going to be a pastor. We planted five weeks before Easter, okay? So we had four weeks and then Easter Sunday. That Easter Sunday, that next day, I got the one of the worst... Most cringeworthy four page email list pictures, blah blah blah, just tearing me a new one. I mean, tearing me a new one. I, I'm really unsigned, by the way. But we won't go there because love you, whoever you were. I preached on this verse, and I'm gonna tell you exactly what I said and what they ripped into me for. All right. All I said, because Paul says, I want to know, know Christ, yes, to know, listen to me, the power of his resurrection, okay? Here's all I said. I said, perhaps we need to consider that in Christianity, we've messed this up. When you come in the front door, what do you see? What's right there for us? A cross. Hey, in our logo, we even made it a different color so you could see the cross. We wear around our neck crosses. What if we picked the wrong symbol? What, what, what if we picked the wrong symbol? Because Paul never said, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his crucifixion. Let me tell you something. Buddha died. Mohammed died. Confucius died. In fact, every leader of every major religion has died, including Jesus. Only one got up. I'm all for blowing a hole in the wall when people come in and they go, what happened? Nothing. That's our symbol. It's empty. Blow a hole in it, baby. Why? Because it's an empty hole that is all our power. Why? Because my God's alive. And because he's alive, he can actually live in me. And because he can actually live in me, all of the things that the preacher's preaching about and Paul's trying to teach us about rejoicing don't come from us because we have no confidence in the flesh. They come from him. Come on, church. I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Why? Because I can participate in his sufferings in this meh world that we try to make good out of trash, becoming like him in his death. Woo, and here's the end. And so, somehow, attaining resurrection from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, what? yet shall he live. Church, one day your body will die. And if Christ has filled you up, you will also live. Everybody else gets Gehenna. Because when you're chasing scraps, that's where it goes. I'm gonna pray now. (sighs) <sighs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching me a new and a fresh and a powerful and a renewed and a fulfilled look at your word. And God, I know, I know that it is not my own, that you bought me, that you taught me, and, and, and all glory to you. But thank you for that. And I, God, I thank you for this too, that there will be another time in another passage, in another place, or right back here. Well, you will teach me something more because you are endless, you are boundless, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life and the light, and you are. And my prayer is that we would all, in some strange, wonderful, miraculous way, get it, not hear it, not know it, not comprehend it, that we would literally get whatever Paul got that he said, (laughs) in prison, it's gorgeous, in life, it's gorgeous, my hands are gnarled and I can't write and it's gorgeous, why? Because I'm with God now and if I die, I'm with him then and everything else is just byproduct of a glorious, rejoicing life. And it comes out in his worship and it comes out in his writing. And I want that. I want that for, for, for Damon and for Jenny and for George and for Paul and for Cicely. I, and for me, God, I, I want, as the deer pants for the water, God, right now, creating us a longing for that. Whatever that is, the unsurpassing greatness of Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.